I've asked Fred to come, and uh, he has a... Um, a brief story about God's blessing uh, at a time in their life uh, as they were faithful to him. So, Fred, come on up and uh, share. Oh, Fred and Nancy, okay. Um, back in uh, 1985, Nancy and I were uh, relatively new Christians, and we were life was really good. We were married and had two lovely children. She was uh, assistant manager of the Goodyear store in Medina. I was assistant manager of a... Uh, Bond Department in, for Transamerica in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, all in one day, uh, we found out that we both lost our jobs the same exact day. Goodyear decided they didn't need assistant managers anywhere, anymore, and they would uh, eliminate that, and uh, Transamerica put 16,000 people out of work because they eliminated a region, and uh, so we struggled uh, for the next two years. Um, I don't have a college education, and I was working in the bond department, but the uh, insurance industry was, was in trouble, and they really weren't hiring. So to make a long story short, I wandered from job to job, and Nancy had a job, but we weren't meeting our bills. And so we did like most people do. We used our 401K. We used our savings. Uh, we used our credit cards and uh, just went deeper and deeper into debt. And... At some point in May of uh, 1987, the Lord put it on my heart that I shouldn't be doing this. This was not a good thing to do. So I went to Nancy, and I said, we need to pray about this, and we talked about it. And I said, the Lord has put it on my heart that we might have to give up the house because that's a major expenditure. And to a lot of people, that may not seem like all that big a deal, but for us, our generation a house, a place to call your own that we had spent our life saving on was a big deal. And I'm blessed to have a wife like Nancy that said, it's okay. I don't really care. If we got to get rid of the house, we'll get rid of the house. And as long as you and I and the two girls are together, we can go live in a tent. I don't care. But what we did was something that was just between us and God. We didn't really tell a lot of people about it. This was in May. And I said, well, let's pray about this. And we didn't put out a fleece or anything, but we told ourselves and we made a vow to the Lord that if I didn't have a good job by September, we would sell the house. We'll do whatever we needed to do. Well, in August, I got a job, a good job with AAA. And I've worked there for 20 years, and uh, it's it's worked out uh, quite well for us. But the main point in all this and I had to write this down so I didn't talk too long, is a couple of things that we learned through this experience. Number one, it's easy to give out of your abundance. And during this two years, especially that last year, we didn't have much money, and I went and talked to my pastor because we were going to a good church at the time. And he said, the Lord isn't interested in how much you give. He's interested in your heart, what you do. So there was quite a few times when that offering plate come around and I might only put a dollar in it for our family. That's all we had. I just didn't have a lot. But it showed me that you can't give out of your abundance and because you are so blessed that God has given you everything. It doesn't work that way. That was one of the lessons I learned. Also at that point, uh, sometime in that period, uh, I went through a, uh, a financial uh, program called uh, basically finance, uh, 
personal finances through, uh, now it's called Crown Ministry, it was through Larry Burkett. Basically, it shows you how to use your finances as God would have you to do it. So I went through that, and what I didn't realize at the time is I've been teaching Larry Burkett's class for the last 25 years to individuals. I don't do it in a class. I do it one-on-one with people. And what I've learned is God put me through this experience to learn. When I talk with people about their finances, and we do it in private, and it's all confidential, I can look them in the eye and say, I've been where you've been. That's why God allowed me to go through this. It wasn't very much fun. It was two years before it got through my hard head. But I finally got through there and started to understand it. And tithing for us is really never a question of money. It's a question of heart. And that's, I guess, what I would like to leave with everybody here today. You know, Scripture says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So tithing has nothing to do with the amount you give or how much you have has everything to do with your heart and giving back to the Lord because he owns everything to begin with. So he doesn't care how much I give. He can take it all if he wants. It's his to start with. Thanks, Fred and Nancy. Appreciate that. Well, we are in our third and final week of this series we're calling Economic Atheist. We've been looking at how God would have us handle our finances because if we say that we're following God, uh, then we're theists. We're not atheists, right? And, and so then we'll live differently than the culture around us. And that even affects how we handle finances. Uh, you've seen our fence here. Uh, we've, we've, we've got it here representing the fence of God's favor and uh, how when we're inside the fence, when we're following his guidelines, when we're, we're, we're walking through life the way he would have us to do in a variety of ways, then we receive his blessing. But if we step out from behind the fence, if we decide we're going to go out on our own and do things our own way, then we, we deny what God has established and we've eliminated ourselves from the possibility of blessing. And so I've, I've told you that there are three questions that we need to ask ourselves in relation to how God wants to handle our, our personal economics. Uh, these three things, if we get them right, will lay a strong financial foundation within the fence of God's favor. We need to ask ourselves, well, how do I work? How do I honor? And how do I budget? So a couple weeks ago, we talked about how we work and we had the economic cycle and, and, uh, we, we talked about, um, uh, how, how we, it takes time and we need to work hard and there's delayed gratification and, and, and how when we, when we, uh, we do that and we, we, uh, we plant and we weed and we wait and we do those things, then the harvest comes. And so, so we have to work for it. How do I work? Am I working hard or am I just uh, going out and uh, getting what I, what I want, uh, thinking that I deserve a harvest right now without putting in the work? Last week was all about honoring God, and we've already talked about the, uh, the, the, the uh, giving God 10% of what we have off the top uh, as a first fruits offering, trusting that he will provide for our needs. And so we honor God. How do I budget then is the, uh, the last question. To ask, we're going to get more, uh, even more practical as we dig down on budgeting. Now, please hear me. I don't want you to feel like through this series that you're being bullied into giving or doing anything like that. I want you to experience God's favor, to experience God's blessing, and I want you to see what Scripture says about this. Scripture talks a whole lot about money, and we think, well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Well, it it's actually very spiritual, and a lot of times we it's the last thing that we turn over to God. Uh, 
we need to recognize that this isn't just, oh, I need to give, but I need to plan for that. I need to prepare for that. And that's the, uh, the issue of, of budgeting. So in order to, to, to get into this, we need a shift in our thinking. In so much of life, we tend to think that more is better, right? And if I get more, then that's going to be better. And I want to get more. And I go, I have a, I have a minivan out there. Okay. I just admitted it for all the world. I drive a minivan. The family trucks. I, I have automatic windows. I have automatic locks. It has a CD player. It has an MP3 jack. But it would be so much better if it had automatic doors and a Bluetooth, right? I mean, more would definitely be better in the old minivan. I, I, if I have a bowl of ice cream, right, and I've got some hot fudge on it, that would be wonderful, right? Especially right about now on a Sunday morning, kind of a precursor to Sunday dinner, right? But if I had some peanut butter sauce and some crunched up Reese cups and whipped cream and a cherry, now that would be better, right? Because more is better. Whether, whether consciously or subconsciously, we tend to live by that standard that, that more is better. And, and it plays out in our finances with our money and with our stuff. We, we want more so we can get more. And we think that when, uh, that the more we consume, the better our lives will be. I, if I just had, if I could just do, if I just, but at some point, we have to say, that's enough. We have to draw that line, right? Well, that's what a budget does. It says that's enough. It draws that line. Of course, we'll, we'll all consume things. There's always going to be things that we need and things that we buy and, and all those kinds of things. It's based on our individual needs and, in, and our individual tastes and our income. It will look differently, but, but we all consume things. The question is, will we know when we've consumed enough? A budget is a tool to help you stay disciplined in your finances. There's, there's a wonderful Wonderful word that we tend to shy away from, discipline. Disciplines help us give up something we love in order to get something we love more. Disciplines help us give up something we love in order to get something that we love more. For instance, I love burgers. Here we are. You guys are getting hungry already. I love burgers. Put some cheese on there, melt it down, get some bacon on there, maybe a little barbecue sauce. And I love French fries. As I shared last week, I've been known to take a few sometimes. I really love ice cream with hot fudge and peanut butter sauce so much that I've mentioned it twice in two minutes now in the sermon, right? So, uh, uh, it, but I also love being physically fit. So I've learned over the years, uh, hopefully most of the time, uh, how to say that's enough on my eating and to kick in on the exercise so that I give up something I love, the burger and the ice cream, in order to get something that I love more, being healthy and physically fit. Disciplines. It doesn't seem all that fun in the moment, but it's getting us to somewhere that we really want to be. And the same is true in our finances. We can give up something we love, financial purchases, uh, for something we love more, financial peace. Right? I, I, I love this quote. I've heard it before. I heard it again just this past week. There are two kinds of pain. The pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Isn't that good? We either have the pain of discipline now, and I'm choosing to, to put myself through this, and I'm going to deny myself of this, this, and this, so that I, or I can go ahead and go into that, but then later I'm going to regret it, and I'll have the pain of regret later. Two kinds of pain, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Budgeting helps us go through the pain of discipline so that we won't have to experience the pain 
of regret. In essence, a budget helps us build a that's enough fence around our spending. That's what this physical representation here, this fence is, it's, it's, we're living within the favor of God. Outside it, we're on our own. And we've looked at the book of Leviticus the last couple of weeks, and we're going to go back there again today because it lays out a bunch of these that's enough fences, so to speak, uh, on a whole lot of different topics, uh, dietary guidelines, um, cleanliness guidelines, relationship issues, uh, sexual practices, even financial principles. And so we've seen each week that God, what God has to say regarding each of these uh, areas of our, of our life, especially what he say, says about handling our money. So we're going back to Leviticus chapter 19, beginning in verse 9, where he talks about economic things again. He says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. First of all, several times through that passage, he, he underlines and circles and highlights, I am the Lord, your God. In other words, you're not atheists. You are theists. You believe in God, the one true God. Because you believe in God, because I am the Lord, your God, he says, you're going to be doing things this way. And then there's several things in relation to how we handle ourselves and our, and our finances. It says don't, don't cheat. It says don't steal. It says pay workers what they're owed. Uh, don't take advantage of the disadvantage. Don't play favorites. Don't favor the poor. Don't favor the rich. Don't play favorites at all. And then there's that whole part about gleaning to the edge, not gleaning to the edges of your field, but leaving some for the poor and the foreigners. And I think we can glean a couple of principles right off the bat uh, for our financial lives here. The first one is this. Everyone has a budget. Live inside of yours. So in this passage, there's basically three different socioeconomic levels described. Uh, there's the landowners, and they're the rich folks that own the land and have the crops and have the employees, but they still have a budget, right? There's still a, a budget they have to live inside of. Basically, it says the crops are yours, but the edges aren't. There's the line. There's the fence. There's a limit of that's enough cap, so to speak, on the landowners. Of course, there's the employees here. They're the ones that are doing the work. They're getting the salary. They're getting their hourly wage. And, and, uh, and, and yet, yet there's still a limit there as well. God's providing for them, but not just over and above and, and whatever they want. There's a limit. And, and then there, there are the poor and the foreigners. For whatever reason, whether poor choices or tragedy or, or whatever has happened, they don't have a lot of options, but still God is providing for them. The edges of the fields are reserved for those folks. But there's a, that's enough limit on that. You, you don't just get to run through the field and take whatever you want. No, there's, we've provided for you, but there's, there's a limit. Everyone has a budget, a that's enough limit, and we need to live inside of it. And the second point grows right out of that. Uh, number two is not everyone has the same budget, so don't get greedy. Everyone has a budget. Live inside yours. Your budget is going to be different than somebody else's. Don't get greedy. God doesn't give everyone the same. Whatever, whether it's, it's talents or skills or opportunities or even finances, um, 
it, it looks a little different. As Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. We seem to think that getting more is the goal. If I just had more, if I just had more, if I just had what so-and-so has, if I just have what they're advertising, if I just had... But, but that's not life, just getting more stuff. Although that's... And we would probably say, yeah, I, I agree with that, but yet we tend to live like we need more stuff. Richard Swenson, who wrote the book Margin, said, says nothing in Scripture and in the chosen lifestyle of Christ could be clearer. Wealth is not an objective of the spiritual life. I, I love Paul's instruction about all of this at the end of uh, the, his first letter to Timothy. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 6, Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Everyone has a budget, but not everyone has the same budget. Live within yours and don't get greedy because someone else might have more. So what does that look like? Well, if you're, if you're taking a, a Dave Ramsey course, you get a bunch of envelopes and you label each one and you cash your paycheck every time you get it and you put them all in envelopes. And that might seem a little extreme, uh, but I think there are some major principles that we need to live by uh, with every amount of money that we receive, right? And, and really, these three principles can, can govern everything that, uh, all, uh, get, govern what we do with our finances. Give, save, and live on the rest. Give, save, live. Though that's, that's really how we need to handle our, our finances. Give. Again, we've talked about that right off the top, uh, uh to God. Some, some, some of you have, uh, have taken that challenge and I, I, uh, uh, am excited to hear the blessing that God is going to be pouring out in your lives as you, as you, uh, begin to, uh, to give. Uh, right off the top to God. Give, save. That's the second thing. It's wise to uh, to set things up in preparation for the future. Instead of just living day to day, paycheck to paycheck, we need to save for what might come. Proverbs uh, 21.20 says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. So we, we need to save. Now, there is a, a, another side to that because we could try to save so much that we're, uh, again, putting our hope in our wealth by, uh, by, by trying to, uh, to, to save so much that that's what we're relying on. Verse 17 in 1 Timothy there in that passage says that we shouldn't put our hope in our wealth, but we should put our hope in God. So don't go overboard. Be wise in, in this saving, but we need to plan ahead. We need to save up for things. Give, save, and then live on the rest. A lot of people don't. A lot of times we live on more than the rest, right? And we overextend ourselves and we go past that, that's enough line. And that, that SNL video we watched a couple of weeks ago, don't buy stuff you can't afford, right? 
Uh, Proverbs 22, 7 says that the borrower is slave to the lender. And if you've ever had debt, if you have debt right now, then you know that's true. The bill comes every month. It has to be paid where, where the borrower is slave to the lender. Uh, Larry Burkett that, that Fred referred to a, a little while ago, uh, he said it this way. God doesn't prohibit borrowing, but he certainly do, does discourage it. In fact, every biblical reference to debt is negative. But this live on the rest doesn't have to have that negative side. Sure, we need to live on the rest, and if we're not, then that's a problem. But but uh, living on the rest is actually positive. In, in fact, it's it's awesome. It says, uh, have fun. Okay, I've, I've, I'm giving right off the top, and I'm saving, and then I'm living on the rest. I'm providing for, for my needs. I'm even saving up and getting things that I want. Uh, I'm giving to others. I can be a blessing because God has given to me. Uh, it's, it's give, save, live on the rest. And do you know what comes when you live within the fence of God's favor? Peace. First Timothy, it's called contentment. Uh, I'm sure that many people, uh, not too many people, are living with peace in their financial lives, but that's the goal, right? Usually figuring out finances brings stress and worry and frustration and sometimes even arguments. Uh, anything but peace, but living life God's way always brings contentment. And it also brings, as he mentioned uh, just a minute ago, it brings financial margin. Uh, we, we saw it in Leviticus there too, leaving the edges of the field, uh, for, for, for others. Uh, we, if we get this budgeting thing down, then we can be a blessing to those who, who need help, those who are in need. Ephesians 4.28 says, everyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. First Timothy, uh, in our passage there in First Timothy 6 says, to be generous and willing to share. Uh, you've all heard of the, uh, the novelist Stephen King. He's known for writing horror stories like uh, The Shining, Christine, Misery, many more. Uh, he's not exactly known for his theology, right? Uh, but but I, want you to, I want you to hear what he said in part of a speech about, uh, to, a, to a college graduation uh, ceremony, to college graduates, as he's speaking about generosity. He says, a couple of years ago, I found out that uh, what you can't take it with you means. I found out while I was lying in a ditch at the side of a country road covered with mud and blood and with the tibia of my right leg poking out of the side of my jeans like a branch of a tree taken down in a thunderstorm. I had a MasterCard in my wallet, but when you're lying in a ditch with broken glass in your hair, no one accepts MasterCard. We all know that life is ephemeral, but on that particular day and in the months that followed, I got a painful but extremely valuable look at life's simple backstage truths. We come in naked and broke. We may be dressed when we go out, but we're just as broke. Warren Buffett, going to go out broke. Bill Gates, going out broke. Tom Hanks, going out broke. Steve King, broke. Not a crying dime. All the money you earn, all the stocks you buy, all the mutual funds you trade, all of that is mostly smoke and mirrors. It's still going to be a quarter past getting late whether you tell time on a Timex or a Rolex. No matter how large your bank account, no matter how many credit cards you have, sooner or later things will begin to go wrong with the only three things you have that you can really call your own, your body, your spirit, and your mind. So I want you to consider making your life one long gift to others. And why not? All you have is on loan anyway. All that lasts is what you pass on. We have a power to help, the power to change, and why would we refuse? Because we're going to take it with us? Please. 
Giving is a way of taking the focus off the money we make and putting it back where it belongs on the lives we lead, the families we raise, the communities that nurture us. A life of giving, not just money, but time and spirit, repays. It helps us remember that we may be going out broke, but right now we're doing okay. Right now we have the power to do good for others and for ourselves. So I ask you to begin giving. I think you'll find in the end that you got back in return far more than you ever gave and did more good than you ever dreamed. What Stephen King was talking about there in the Bible is called laying up treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Uh, that, that you may take hold of the life that is truly life. Budget so that you can be generous. Uh, Greed is for economic atheists. In doing that, you're building up treasure in heaven and you're investing in things that will last for eternity. So living within the fence of God's favor will include working hard. It will include honoring God with the tithe. It will mean budgeting, living within your budget. And if you do those things, you'll be ripe for the blessing of God. I invite you to stand with me. Perhaps a little more practical, uh, but it's just as spiritual. Uh, I think that, uh, that, that when we uh, focus on topics like this, um, it, it really kind of gets to where the rubber meets the road. And we say, well, what can I do today, tomorrow, next week? Uh, how can I do that? It's, it's more than just praying through, although it's, it involves praying through, but it also means sitting down with that checkbook or that online bank account or that budget and saying, what does God want me to do with everything that he's given to me? Let's pray together. Father God, we give you our lives. We thank you for your blessings and for the amazing outpouring of your grace. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to have an appreciation for the, uh, the, the, the wonderful blessings that you bestow upon us. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to do the hard work of, of budgeting, of, uh, of, uh, of allowing you to speak into what we do with what you've given to us. Lord, I pray that you will help us to remember to always live uh, with the truth that you own everything and you give us some things to take care of for a while. And I pray that we can be good stewards of those things. Lord, I, I ask for your anointing and for your grace as we go from this place that we will be the hands and feet and voice of Jesus in the world where we live. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.